The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Yep, that uh, sacred day of the week where we get to talk about our favorite subject. The Second Amendment, guns, freedom, and so much more. Hi, how how are you? It's Friday already. I don't know how we got here so fast, but uh, lo and behold, here we are, ready to dive into the week and talk about all the things that uh, are fit to print in regards to the Second Amendment, guns, firearms, laws, and more Good morning and welcome to the program. Uh, We are broadcasting live across uh, the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And of course, live on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll find links to our, uh, not only the live stream, where the audio only live stream where we, uh, you know, you get a chance to listen to the show without all the bells and whistles. And of course, links to our simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And links, finally, to the podcast. And so today's the day, babe. Today is the day for firearms goodiness. Let's, uh, let's dive into it and talk, about, um, and talk about what's coming up on the show today. Now, first things first, I got a text message last night from Chris Chang, a Top Shot champion who normally appears on the second Friday of every month. And he, unfortunately, is traveling and says he will be back in contact with us in February. So, uh, okay. All right. It is what it is. Uh, So we're not going to have Chris Chang on board today. But luckily, this morning in hour one, we are going to be uh, talking with Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. Jacob will be coming on board and uh, talking with us about his uh, latest piece, which uh, talks about the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal, uh, which has basically put out a decision this last week that says the ATF has exceeded its legal authority, uh, which we all kind of knew in various ways, but specifically its legal authority on, of all things, bump stocks. And uh, this is going to set a huge precedent because, as we know, BATF has been trying to uh, recently been trying to uh, reclassify 80 percent receivers, reclassify arm braces and more uh, through executive and administrative fiat. And uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, says, hey, uh, you, you can't you can't do that. You, that's not that's not how it works. And so thank goodness for people like uh, the GOA, Gun Owners of America, and uh, <clears throat> the uh, 
the plaintiff in this case named Cargill. Thank good for goodness for people like this, because this is a uh, this is going to be a big this is going to be a big deal. And again, we're watching the dominoes fall uh, in light of the Brune decision at the Supreme Court, and we're seeing more and more cases and more and more courts who are falling in line with that originalist, you know, uh, a language. Uh, of the Second Amendment. And so Jacob's going to come in and talk with us about this and his article. He's also got a new article up talking about uh, Illinois. For those of you who don't know, this week, Illinois became the ninth state to ban assault weapons, although they really don't define what that is, other than they talk about weapons of war and other scary phrases out there. Uh, this law is sure to be challenged and based on what has happened in places like New York and New Jersey, uh, it is most likely to be struck down on, if nothing else, constitutional grounds um, because uh, they don't really have an answer for what's going on. Uh, and in fact, at one point, one of the uh, uh, one of the people who was uh, proposing it, uh, says uh, state uh, state representative LaShawn K. Ford, a Democrat from Chicago, says Illinois is, quote, sending the message that lives are valued over guns, which uh, Sullum apparently says sending that message is evidently more important than crafting legislation that would reasonably and actually be expected to improve public safety. Uh, and that's part of the problem. I mean, part of the problem here is that there is no real define. I mean, they use this assault weapons ban. Assault weapons ban. What is an assault weapon? I mean, if I picked up a hammer off a job site and started bashing people with it, is it now an assault hammer or is it still just a hammer? If I stabbed a would-be assailant with a fork, is it an assault fork uh, or is it a M murder fork. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's so hard to decide these days. I mean, just just ask this gal. I mean, it's so hard to decide if it's a protection, uh, you know, fork or a um, murder fork. She she knows. Ask her. As a single woman, you feel a little unsafe, and so I'm exhausted because I've been gun shopping, and. I went into the store, and the guy was like, yes, ma'am, can we help you? And I said, well, yeah, I, I came to the gun store for a gun, but I, I would like to buy a protection gun. And um, he's like, okay, and he was kind of laughing at me. And I said, I don't want a murder gun I want to buy a protection gun and he looked at me like I've been hit with a stupid stick one too many times and he said ma'am which really made me feel old but he was like ma'am all guns are the same and I was like no they're not and he was like yeah they are and I was like no, they're not. I watch the news, and I know that there are guns that attack people, and there are guns that protect people. And I would like the protection kind of gun. And um, he was not real helpful, and so I bought a pink one because pink's, like, feminine. And I thought, well, 
that's probably the safer bet because there's more crazy men than crazy women in the world and <laughs> actually I'm not sure that is true and I'm we can take that woman back until I can be sure um but you know if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns then I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems but someone's gonna have to educate the people selling them because he didn't know because he didn't know what he was talking about. He, I wanted just the protection gun. I didn't want the murder gun or the attack gun. And, and I bought the pink one because it's more feminine and there's less crazy women than there are crazy men out there. And well, I'm not quite sure that that's correct, but, you know. I mean, that's, uh, for first of all, that's satire for those of you who don't know. That video is like seven years old, but it is hysterical to watch. And, uh, but I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's the truth, right? Uh, you know, we know that people are using some of these guns for lawful purchases, purchases, you know, and, and purposes. We just want to get, we just want to get the attack guns, the murder guns out of the street. Um, and th this is just the ridiculousness of what's going on. The whole point here though, I think was, was summed up in that representative's comment. They just wanted to send the message that Illinois uh, values lives over guns. It's all you're doing is sending a message. Um, who's getting, okay, so first of all, who's getting the message? The criminals? Because the criminals don't care. I mean, they've already decided to break with societal norms. They've already decided to go out there and, you know, rape, rob, steal, do whatever they're going to do to break the law. Do you think that your heartfelt message of we just want to value lives over guns, do you think that they care about that? I would argue only in as much as it means that they have a defenseless, disarmed pool of victims. This, you know. Murder guns. I just, I wanted a murder. I don't want a murder gun. I want a protection gun. Uh, how do you, how do you know? How do you know? How, what is the, who, how do you know that that's what's going to be happening? And, you know, when, <laughs> when does a murder gun become a protection gun? I mean, you know, that's the, the, that's the thing. I mean, we see over and over and over again. The defensive use of guns by uh, armed citizens, most of the time, without having to fire a shot. There's another story uh, coming out of Iowa, where uh, recently Iowa passed the uh, they enshrined the right to keep and bear arms uh, by uh, in their constitution. They enshrined it last uh, last November by a huge margin, like two thirds margin, and. Uh, well, it, it's already paid off. A Des Moines, Iowa resident recently had to use her lawfully owned firearm to fend off a man and woman who tried to snatch her child. Last week, two people walked repeatedly in front of the Hubble Tower apartment door. Manager Shay Lindbergh, her young child at her side, finally opened it and asked if there was a problem. 
At that point, one of the people grabbed her child. A struggle ensued, but she was armed. She apparently drew her sidearm, produced it, and told them, uh, let my kid go. They, uh, they then uh, vamoosed and ran away. Uh, security guards were able to uh, go down the skywalk, track him down, and follow him, and police were eventually involved in everything else. And these two people, a man and a woman, were both arrested and charged with the crime of child stealing which is a felony in the state punishable by a maximum 10 year prison sentence. Now, luckily they, you know, they, I guess they were lucky. They're not going to get the 10 years, I'm sure, because it didn't get accomplished, but uh, they're lucky that they're going to jail instead of the hospital. I mean, you take my kid. Oh, I might not even say, let my kid go. I just might let go. If you know what I mean. And then sort it out later. Cause you've got my kid. I mean, wow. Just wow. But and so there there it was. There was a protection gun without a shot being fired. It was a protection. I'm gonna get a t-shirt that says I only own protection guns. Um, but that that is the that's the whole thing. The defensive use of guns, this is just another prime example where the mere presence of a firearm stopped the commission of a crime. And that's the one thing, I'll be honest with you, that's the one thing that uh, that gun control people do not want to see. They do not want to see the statistics on this. We talked about this last week, how the CDC has removed from Gary Gleck's latest um, um, uh, report uh, to the CDC. They have, uh, they have removed all the references to defensive gun use. I mean... And and because they know that that turns their whole argument on their head, that somewhere, depending on the source, 90,000 to 2.6 million incidents of defensive gun use happen in this country every year, the vast, vast majority of them without a shot ever being fired. I mean, it's some crazy stuff, crazy stuff. All right, well, we're coming up on the break, and we've got Jacob Sullivan from Reason Magazine. He's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes, so we're going to uh, kick that off with him. And uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens from there. All right, my friends. We will be back with more, including Jacob Sullivan from Reason Magazine. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, my friends, good morning. How are you? We are in the break, and we are ready to go. I'm just going to send an email to, or text message um, uh, in, uh, in your email. Okay, boom. Um, we are ready to go. Hello. Hello. A gas stove with six burners. <laughs> Is an assault stove. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Mikhail says, I would have come blasting if that had been, uh, if it was my kid. Yeah, no, I don't know if I would have said, put the child down. I think I would have been double tap and then I would have taken my child back. I think that's what would have happened right there. Uh, because you don't mess with it. I mean, no, 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 no. There's many things that I would de-escalate from. That would probably not be one of them. You've yanked my child out of my grasp. Now it's time for you to, uh, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, Donna Ardwin, who is our resident uh, financial and economic guru who loves numbers, also says, data shows that homicides in Chicago are much higher in the summer than the winter. That's shocking, I know. So Illinois should just ban summer. There you go. <laughs> that is the answer. We should just ban summer in Chicago. That will keep all the people that will keep all the people in line. It will be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um I'm just reading this. Bill's Bill's got a public safety announcement. Public safety announcement. I took one for the team and tried dating a liberal. It just doesn't work. They are truly wired different. Yes, yes, I would imagine. Um I would imagine that that is probably the case. They are just wired different. I can't, I can't imagine what that must be like. I just, I can't, I can't imagine what that must be like. Um, I'm just scrolling back up here. Uh, Donna said she spent a year in Illinois and could not buy ammo because she didn't have a co a card that uh, residents can apply for that only residents can apply. It's called a FOID firearms owner identification card, a FOID card. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough when you got to display that card to even be able to buy ammunition. Oh, oh, baby. Hey, baby, baby. Um, all right. What else is going on? What is happening with you? Um, I think that's it. I think we've got, uh, I think we got pretty much everything squared away this morning. All right. Let me, uh, let me go over here real quick. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, looks like, uh, Jacob Sullum is having a hard time getting into the, uh, deal here so we will uh get jacob sullum up uh in the chat room here in just a second let me go. we don't mean any activation of the trigger it's got to actually be you flexing your finger against the trigger like the, in the conventional way that's a trigger pull otherwise it's not so if you bump it against your finger without moving your finger that's not a trigger pull and therefore it's not a function of the trigger right um you know if you if you use the stick to activate the trigger you know the gun's still firing so we have to keep this all in mind right right <laughs> that, that actually in fact the trigger is activated in fact there's a function of the trigger but according to the atf there's not right unless you you activate it in the conventional way by flexing well, your finger and so i will that, it was the one thing they said and then they said we're gonna treat uh, basically treat the shooter as if he's part of the mechanism so even though you have to do a couple of things in order to maintain bump fire um we're gonna pretend that that that's not happening right um and so the whole thing is automatic so, that's, that's the essence of it well and so first first things first the fact that they got down into the weeds on the actual 
mechanics of whether or not your finger resting is pulling and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and they mentioned the stick. Now, remember, this is the same ATF that at one point had declared that a piece of string was a machine gun. OK, they declared that in one of their findings uh, when they were doing some, you know, firearms testing and everything else. So this is I guess this is not that surprising. But the judges were just not buying it. They were just like, no, that's not how it works. Each time the mechanism pulls forward, the trigger is pulled. And so that is it. It's a single function of the trigger. You are actively re-engaging and reactivating that trigger every time. So you can't do it. And by the way, not only that, you don't have the authority through executive fiat to just decide or administrative fiat to just do what you want to do. Right. I mean, so the basic issue, and by the way, I misspoke before the the um, the, uh, the Las Vegas uh, massacre that was in um, was October, the fall of uh, 2017. And right, then the, right. the, this the, the order was developed just a few months later in early, early uh, 2018. Right. Uh, in any case. So the issue, but the issue is, um, first of all, what does the statute mean? What does the law actually mean? Right. Um, and, and secondly, can they just rewrite the law or can they just reinterpret it in such a way that it effectively write, rewrites the law and the fifth circuit said no um congress could do this if congress wants to pass a law that says that bans bump stocks it can do it uh but but uh, you know a, a, an executive agency can't just do it on its own um and you know so this this the really surprising thing to me was that the that that there were several courts that thought this was fine and in fact actually uh, earlier the, the fifth a fifth circuit panel heard this case and they approved what the atf did and in fact they said their understanding of machine gun was the best interpretation of the statute which is really hard <laughs> it's really hard to believe right, you right, know right right <laughs> you know maybe you could say well, it's quite a stretch but we feel like you know under the chevron doctrine they should have you know the discretion to interpret it it's not totally out of i mean i think it's totally wacky but so the, i could see a court saying this is like like you can make a rational argument for this interpretation, even though it's not the best interpretation, we're going to defer to the the executive agency. But to say that this is the best interpretation of the statute, I just don't see how anybody could conclude that. And so I was I was relieved to see that when the full Fifth Circuit took up the case and re reheard it, that they reached that conclusion, which seems right. pretty straightforward to me. Well, and let's talk about that for a second, because first. It went through just the single, you know, the single panel or the single judge in the Fifth Circuit. And then they had the en banc panel, which is what? In total, it's like 15 judges or something. And the, I think it was, if I'm, yeah, I think it was, I think it's 16. 16. Um, I think it was 13. Out, I, mean, I think it was 13 out of 16 in the majority. It right. Was all all right. but a few right. in the majority. Right. So this was a, I mean, this wasn't just a little bit of a, uh, of a decision as far as weighing it, you know, 50 50. This was 13 out of 16 judges said, uh, no, that's not constitutional. Sorry, that's not how it works. Right. And, and yeah, because up until that, sorry. No, I was just going to say, and that's that's got to surprise the government. You're like, oh, wait, we usually get to do whatever we want. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, up until that point, I felt like, am I crazy? <laughs> right, because I kept reading right. these decisions where other courts are saying this is fine. And then even, you know, the Fifth Circuit panel said it was fine. I'm like, can that be? Like, so you go back and you look at the statute and you, you look at the regulation. It's like, no, no, I'm not the crazy one. <laughs> right, no. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, and, and just, uh, but by the way, we didn't, I mean, w w there, there were there's, there are certain absurd results that flow from this interpretation law. So the interpretation on its face 
seems wacky and really implausible, but then it has certain weird implications. And so one of them is um, they're saying that bump firing is the same as automatic fire. <laughs> that legally speaking, it's the same. So, but what the implication of that is, that since you don't actually need a bump stock in order to, to use this technique, in fact, you don't need any any particular accessory. It's harder, right? But right, people who are right. skilled at this can do it. That means any semi-automatic rifle is a machine gun. Yeah. Because it can be converted, right? This is like can be converted into machine gun. How is it converted? By the way that you fire it. Right? So just the technique the firing technique somehow legally transforms the gun. Um, but then it, it implies even if you don't use that technique because it can be readily converted right to a machine gun simply by using this technique any any semi-automatic rifle would be a mach- an illegal machine gun yeah. now they said no we're not going to the ATF was like well we can't do that so what they said is we're just even though this definition seems would seem to have much wider implications we're going to limit it to these particular products that we don't like that we want to ban right exactly so but that was totally totally arbitrary for them to do that because they re- you know they realized well we can't obviously we can't ban all semi-automatic rifles uh nobody's gonna go for that uh but so that was totally arbitrary um and and then uh what was the other thing i was thinking of the uh ah. well i mean it, 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 there was another another thing that uh that made no sense as a result of this interpretation it's it's flown out of my mind now though but anyway you get the idea that they um if you view the law this way it results in in certain implications that just don't make any sense. Right. Oh, I, I, I guess I would I would say that with the function of the trigger thing is like what the since people frequently will start bump firing not by pulling in the way the ATF defines it, but actually by bumping. Right. Um, there is according to the ATF, there is no function of the trigger ever <laughs> when you're doing that, right? Because if you start by bumping it against your finger as opposed to pulling it by flexing your finger. That's not a function of the trigger, according right. to the ADF. Okay. So no, nothing is happening there involves the function of the trigger, right? So just it's craziness. No, and, and this is the thing. I mean, again, uh, the, this whole idea that the ATF can redefine something. And by the way, there were already three or four determination letters out by this point. I mean, under the Obama administration, they had announced three times that bump stocks were legal. And this was just according to the fifth. Yeah. According to the fifth circuit, it was actually dozens of letters they had sent. Yeah. So, so this these would, these would be for individual products. Yeah. Um, from you know, individual okay? manufacturers. We, right. Cause each right, manufacturer, we sell this. Yeah. Each manufacturer has to get a determination letter from the ATF saying that it's legal to sell this product. And so, this was just, again, the most arbitrary and capricious uh, uh, you know, thing that you just turn around and they said, well, we said it was okay, but now it's not. And now if you don't turn it over to us, you're a felon. And, and I think the courts kind of blinked at that and said, well, that, no, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, finally, I mean, you and I, like you said, we said, am I crazy? Because that just seems complete, completely unlawful and unconstitutional. And finally, the courts were vindicated in that regard. Yeah, and the, and the fallback argument, by the way, in the in the Fifth Circuit decision, they said this interpretation is clearly wrong, and <laughs> therefore this is not valid. But they said even if that were not true, even if we said that this statute is ambiguous, um, they have the the rule of lenity, which says that in for when you're construing a criminal statute, that you can you construe it narrowly, you construe it in favor of the defendant, right? So let's assume this right. is ambiguous. Right. You're making all these people into felons. If they decide to keep this product, you've now banned. Yeah. No. They are now felons. So when you do that sort of thing, 
um, you really need to have a clear statutory mandate from Congress. And if what you're saying instead is, well, we ran it one way for the law one way for 10 years and now we're, we're changing our minds, you know, that doesn't fly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jacob Sullum is our guest. He's a senior editor over there at Reason Magazine. Uh, we're talking about the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, the en banc panel, the 13 out of 16 judges who have basically said the ATF, yeah, you've exceeded your legal authority by doing any of this stuff. And we're going to continue with these discussions here in just a moment, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we're going to talk more with Jacob Sullum about uh, this and the brand new Illinois assault weapons ban, which is, as we were saying earlier, seems to be more about the messaging than it does about really protecting people, protecting lives and public safety. Jacob Solomar our guest, will return with more here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, Jacob Sullen from Reason Magazine is our guest. We are in the break right now. Uh, sorry, we broke uh, we broke all kinds of stuff there here at the. I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, it popped all my sound off. So uh, here we are. We're we're ready to go. Good thing it happened during the commercial break. That's all I can say right there. Um, Jacob, uh, this is interesting, and I and I I kind of want to touch on this real quick. Um, because this is exactly the same mechanism. Now, first, I guess, okay, let me, let me organize my thoughts here. First things I want to say is anytime people try to tell me how much of a freedom loving pro freedom, liberty guy Trump was, all I do is point to this. And I point to his comments after the Parkland shooting where uh, he says, oh, well, we'll just take the guns and worry about due process later. I mean, those are words that actually came right. out of his lips. And I'm just like, you think this guy is pro-freedom, pro-liberty? You think this is the guy? Uh, that's the first thing. Second of all, the repercussions of this, because this that was kind of an unprecedented thing, what happened with the bump stocks. But now... You're seeing uh, the Biden administration and more. They're they're moving on. They're moving on over to eighty percent lowers, which of course had all been they all had. It's that's been going on for decades. Eighty percent lowers. Now they're determining that they're all firearms and all the pieces are firearms, right. and of course the arm braces as well for like the Sig Sauer arm brace for the for the AR pistols. They're now trying to determine that those are. Uh, shoulder are, are actually shoulder stocks, and they make all your your rifles short barrel rifles. I mean, this is the road that they're going to go down. I'm glad they caught it at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's not not to say that it'll necessarily necessarily carry over, right? Because each each of these issues is is distinct in terms of interpreting the statute. But the general principle is important, which is they can't just do whatever they want and then, you know, re re reinterpret the statute to fit it. Um, and especially when they have a history, like you said, of reading the law one way, allowing a bunch of products to be sold legally, explicitly saying this is okay. The law did not change, but suddenly now these things are illegal, right? That's, that's a red flag. Um, and, and this actually goes to the, it goes to the broader issue of, of the Chevron doctrine, uh, which Neil Gorsuch is a, 
critic of, um, which says, you know, when a statute is ambiguous, the court should defer to the agency's interpretation as long as the interpretation is reasonable. Right, right. right. Um, and he's a big critic of that because he thinks it basically allows um, administrative agencies to rewrite the law and do whatever they want and that the courts are just let them get away with it. And he actually commented when one of these bump stop cases one of these uh, bump stock cases went up to the Supreme Court and they declined to hear the appeal. He, he, uh, he wrote a bit about how it was okay not to hear this particular case, but the, the, explaining some of the issues at stake. And he talked about, you know, what the government is doing to people. If, you, if people are trying to honestly comply with the law, the law is a bit complicated. They're relying on, on the agencies to explain, to explain to them what, what is expected. Um, and if they, for years, you tell people one thing is fine and they rely on that uh, advice and act accordingly, and then suddenly you say, yeah, everything you were doing up till now, that's now a felony. You really, <laughs> you know, right, right, even though right. you said it was okay. But that's, you know, fundamentally unfair. That's like a real, uh, doesn't give people fair notice of what the law requires. And if it's true that it's done, in this case, I don't think it is true, it's true that it's unclear. So, but, but if it's true, the statute really is so unclear, that's a, that's the problem with Congress. Yeah, exactly. You well, know, they're this, not writing laws clearly enough. Well, and that's the problem is Congress has been abdicating their role for years in writing the details of the law. What they've been doing is basically writing some kind of framework and then turning it all over to some administrative agency and say, here, you guys write the regs and the statutes, which all have the function of law, but don't have any of the public input or process or elected officials involved. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, well, they would rather. I mean, Congress, I think, would rather not do the work. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, of course, of course, and and not make the decisions. I mean, I mean, look what's going on with with a bit, a bit far afield with e-cigarettes. Um, you know, Congress never addressed e-cigarettes when they wrote this uh, right. the statute that that gave the FDA authority over tobacco products. It wasn't even on their minds. It was they they barely existed in the U.S. at the time. And nobody was even thinking about it. But then that statute was construed to cover e-cigarettes. And now the FDA has authority to do it. And now they're effectively banning almost all e-cigarettes. And nobody ever authorized them to do that. Right. Um, now, Congress could, you know, if they wanted to pass a law like that. But it would be hard. And it would be controversial. And they might get flack over it. You know, in this way, they're just like, oh, the, the FDA, they're experts. They know what they're doing. We, we gave them this broad statute and they're running with it. And that's fine. It's all science. <laughs> See, now you're now you're triggering me as I sit here and vape while we discuss because uh, because I'm so irritated by the whole thing, you know, and, and, and especially when we look at England and what's happened in England versus what's happened in the U.S. And it's just it's astonishing. All right. Well, we're going to uh, continue to uh, to talk about this. And uh, we'll kick things off with the Illinois uh, assault weapons ban, the largest and toughest and biggest assault weapons ban in the country, uh, which is so ludicrous, especially in the face of what's happened with Bruin and the decisions in New York and, and other states. Uh, Jacob Sullum is our guest, Reason Magazine. We're going to kick things off with him right now. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. <laughs> Continuing now, Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. He's been covering a lot of great issues lately, 
specifically related to the Second Amendment. We were just talking about the uh, Fifth Circuit Court uh, of Appeals basically saying um, that uh, the ATF is exceeding its legal authority in the uh, in the banning of bump stocks, which, of course, is going to have a trickle-down effect. We were just talking about that here in the commercial break. This is going to have a trickle-down effect on this whole issue of 80% lowers, which I know J.D. Tuchilli's been talking about quite a bit, and uh, and the, uh, the shoulder stocks. Uh, do you think this is going to put a slowdown on anybody over these things? Do you think the ATF, I mean, I know they're appealing it. They want to appeal it to the Supreme Court. Uh, but what, uh, you know, any any word on what effect you think this is going to have on some of these other products and issues we're talking about? Well, I mean, in terms of the bump stock case, you now have a circuit split. So you have the Fifth Circuit saying one thing and uh, a few other circuits saying exactly the opposite, basically, that this is... It, this is certainly within the ATF's authority, if not the best interpretation of law. Uh, so that seems likely that the Supreme Court will, will intervene to resolve that circuit split. So they, um, and I can't honestly imagine them saying this is fine and this is, <laughs> you know, right. it's the best interpretation of the statute right. or it's within their authority to totally reverse themselves. And um, I, I think assuming they do hear the case they're likely to uphold the fifth circuit um but as to how that will affect these other controversies each of these things is a distinct uh, issue right to read this you know this definition what's the definition of a firearm and can it is fair is it fairly fair to interpret it this way right after right. years of saying one thing but it has you know obvious similarities in that um the agency consistently takes one position and then suddenly turns around um which is troubling in itself and yeah. and how, how can you write a law that is so unclear that it allows an agency to do that yeah, right? That's, absolutely. And, and there, you know, there are people like Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court who are very concerned about that, that issue about giving administrative agencies too much authority to basically rewrite the law yeah. and, and authorize their own conduct. So I, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, that that broader debate play yeah, out. Exactly. And of course, in the framework of Bruin, I think that this has got some severe problems, just like this new assault weapons ban that happened uh, this week, they became the ninth state, Illinois, to ban assault weapons. But what are what are those assault weapons? The murder guns. We're going to ban the murder guns, not the protection yeah. guns, just the murder guns, right? Yeah, so the, the, the governor, uh, J.B. Pritzker, issued this triumphant press release when he signed this bill into law. Um, you know, celebrating what a wonderful thing this was. And he, he commented on it and lots of, I don't know, there was probably a dozen people saying how wonderful this was. Not a single one of them explained what the law does. <laughs> right? So which, right? You know, right. usually we think this is a great thing. Usually we'd have some kind of at least vague summary of what, nothing in there about it, right? So of course you have to go to the to the bill itself and it's complicated, right? And most people don't do this. But um, when they talk about, you know, assault weapons in this case, right? Because it does vary. It's not a fixed category. It's whatever any particular legislature says. So what did the Illinois legislature say? They said, first of all, they have a long list. This is much like what uh, the House did when they approved a, an assault weapon ban uh, last year. Right, right. Uh, they have a long list. These are the bunch of guns that we've seen. We don't like them. And so we're banning them by name. Right. And so what happens if you take one of them and you, you know, modify it somewhere and you give it a new name? It's not clear. It wouldn't be banned by name anymore. So that's when you have this broader definition. 
um, which, you know, in the case of, of uh, semi-automatic rifles, if they accept detachable magazines, they can't have any of half a dozen specified features, right? And in this case, the features are pistol grips. That's a pretty common one you see in these laws. Um, a protruding grip, a folding or adjustable stock, um, a uh, barrel shroud, and the my favorite grenade launcher. Barrel shroud. What's a barrel <laughs> shroud again, throw, Jacob? Is it the shoulder thing that goes it's up? One of those thingies. Yeah, it's the shoulder thingy that goes up. And uh, so, and and the, so the grenade launcher, they they like to put that in. They also sometimes have rocket launchers, I think, uh, <laughs> as far as the definition. But but you know, to scare people, like as if we've had you know we've had all these mass murders involving. Um, grenades, right? You remember yeah, those? Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So, but but uh, you know, the, the grenades themselves. You know, if it's a military type of grenade, it's illegal for civilians to possess it. Right. I, you know, it hasn't been for a long time. So you're not even if you have a launcher, you're not going to be <laughs> launching those grenades from it unless right. You know, you've got either you managed it to get an illicit well, supply right so it's that's sort of silly but at least they didn't have they don't have bayonet mounts on, right, <laughs> on the list right. uh, but yeah so you look at these features are these features useful yes obviously they're useful they wouldn't ever they wouldn't put them on guns they're useful in certain contexts right so they'll they'll say oh the folding stock is terrible because it makes it more concealable and if somebody's going to commit a mass murder it's easier for them to hide it under his overcoat or whatever that's sort of the premise of that but of course it's convenient for other people people who are traveling with their guns they want to store them in a, in, you know, in a bag. It makes it easier to do that. Adjustable stocks are terrible, of course. I, that's not, I'm not even clear what the rationale for that is. But, but you know, adjustable stocks are useful if you're, if you're, uh, you have people of different of different sizes using the same gun. This makes it easier, you know, to, for it to be interchangeable, right? And you could go down the list and people, and I don't know anything about hunting, but I, you know, read a bit about how, you know, flash suppressors. Did we mention flash suppressors? Yeah. Um, that was one of those. Uh, you know, that it's useful in certain hunting contexts. I have to take the word of people who actually hunt for that. Uh, but, but you know, obviously people find these things useful where they wouldn't buy them, right? Right, exactly. And, and, and so that's what it is. It's, it's, and so you ask, okay, first of all, we know for a fact that the vast majority of mass murderers don't use guns with these features. Right. They somehow manage, right? And then you ask, well, uh, there are ones who do choose these guns, and if they couldn't have them, like if you could somehow make them all disappear, which they can't, obviously, um, why, would that really stymie them? Would that really hold them up in any significant way? And it's very hard to see how it would, because it doesn't, you know, right. you, you have a, the gun with one of these features. Say it has a barrel shroud. You take off the barrel shroud, it's the same, the gun still fires the same ammunition at the same rate with the same muzzle velocity, right? In terms of its basic functions, it's exactly the same. Exactly. So, so that's the absurdity of it, thinking that this is going to have some kind of meaningful impact on... Uh, mass shootings or well uh, and, gun violence in general um it just to, doesn't make sense yeah and not to mention the fact that the vast majority of gun crimes are committed with a handgun not with a rifle the right. rifles account for a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of all gun crimes and that's all they're focused on they're not you know or maybe just in this instance on this uh you know they're on the way to handguns because handguns account for over 90 percent of all uh, uh firearm violent firearm crimes uh yeah firearm for for gun homicides where they know the type of weapon handguns account for more than nine out of ten uh rifles altogether right so only a subset would would qualify as assault weapons depending upon the state um are three percent right so some fraction of three percent um 
you know, it's clearly uh, not the weapon of <laughs> these are not the weapons of choice, right? Right. Whether right. in not and not in mass shootings either. And the numbers are, are you know, they're more commonly used in mass shootings than they are in in uh, gun homicides in general. But still, a, a large majority of mass shooters are use handguns. Right. Well, so um, we're right? we're running out of time here. So I so I want to get to the point on this because again, since the Bruin decision, we've seen that they have declared that assault weapons bans in other states are unconstitutional, and yet basically Illinois has given them the finger and saying we're going to do it anyway. Uh, you know, give me the ramifications of this, and what does it look like timeline wise? We got about two minutes here. All right. Well, there's a case in Colorado involving a local assault weapon ban, and a federal judge said. Uh, he issued a, a, a temporary restraining order, and he said, basically, he said, this is, it's very hard to see how this is constitutional, because it's quite clear that these guns are in common use for lawful purposes, which may, means they're covered by the Second Amendment. That makes means that it's presumptively unconstitutional to try to ban them. Now, your challenge is to show me this is consistent with the nation's history of fi- uh, uh, and tradition of you know firearm regulation. And uh, on the face of it, I just don't see any evidence here that that's true. That In other words, there, there are no precedents for banning in, you know, entire categories right. of guns that, that are in common use for lawful purposes. That's the right. challenge for anybody who's defending these laws. They have to show that there is historical precedent for it. Um, and, you know, they they will try to define that as broadly as they can. But but, on you know, to be on point, it would be, um, you know, a big category of weapons that are commonly used for lawful purposes. We've decided to ban them. Right. So um, I, it, would, it would be. Yeah, I think this comes down to two things. First of all, it's the messaging. You mentioned that this is about sending the message more than anything else, more than about writing a law. And really, I think it's also punitive because they want gun owners to have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and defend this in court. I think that's the ultimate goal here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure because these judges, I'm sure there will be judges that uphold these laws. Yeah, I mean, there's a challenge in New York, New York State, too. We mentioned Colorado. Is going to be challenged in Illinois, and I'm sure you're going to have lower lower courts that say this is fine, um, and then it's going to be up to the Supreme Court to you know to say whether yeah. they meant what they said exactly. and whether you know and to follow through on the clear implications. Jacob Sullum, Reason Magazine. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board this morning, folks. We're out of time. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Jacob, hold on. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Yeah, sorry, Jacob. I wanted you to give you a chance to, and you're right. There are judges out there because we've seen that with the with the, the split circuits that will uphold, regardless of how ridiculous they are, even with the Bruin decision. But ultimately, I think that they're going to get, uh, they're going to, they're going to end up getting spanked by uh, the Supreme Court on this because uh, what was this uh, the the latest one? The Supreme Court has decided that it's going to hold off on blocking the New York. Uh, carry laws because it's waiting for the uh, it's waiting for the second district court to come down and they wrote this kind of scathing thing about the second that you 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 just said no and you gave no reasoning no decisions no uh, no underpinnings for your argument you just said no uh, and we want you to basically give us the reasoning for why you're doing that so while there may be judges out there that take this at the lower circuits the Supreme Court I think is going to start they're going to start taking a crack at this stuff. Yeah, I mean, eventually, it's going to take a while. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah. I think it's insane. But I I do think that in some ways, it's one, it is sending the message, like you mentioned in your article, that this is more about messaging than public safety. But also, I think in some ways, they're like, we'll just do it, and then they'll have to pay 
to uh, fight us because we've got all the government's money. We can do whatever we want. And so then they'll have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to fight it. So we'll just do that. I, I got a feeling that there's a component of that in there somewhere. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, it seems to me for the most part, these people are sincere. Like they actually do believe this matters. Um, they just don't know enough no, <laughs> that, it, that it doesn't, right? right. Um, they haven't really thought it through. So, um, you know, I think that's the main thing. And then, of course, it's, it's, it definitely helps them politically, at least they think it does, to show their concern and that they're taking on the gun lobby and all that. Um, so, uh, you know, it can be both uh, instrumental and, you know, helping them advance their careers and also something they sincerely believe just because they haven't looked into it enough. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Well, keep up the good work, my friend. Uh, you've been writing a lot of great stuff uh, about what's been going on there, and I really appreciate it. Uh, I do also appreciate, I know the listeners probably don't care, but I do appreciate your continuing coverage of the uh, uh, of the vaping uh, issue and the, with the situation with the FDA and all that and how ridiculous that has uh, become. Uh, I appreciate your writing on that as well, because I just I find it so amazing that they want to hurt Americans who are trying to get a better habit. And uh, and they just, you know, they just they believe like somehow we can't make our own decisions on this. It's just it's insane. So I appreciate you uh, 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 writing about all these things. Sure. Thanks for reading it. All right. My, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. And I'm trying to I'm trying to highlight you guys more and more because you guys are doing some some good work over there at Reason. So I appreciate you coming okay. on, Jacob. Thank you so much for being part sure. of it today. All right. Thank you. Take care. Uh, Jacob Sullum, Reason Magazine uh, uh, over there writing about the Fifth Circuit and uh, their latest argument uh, with the uh, their latest argument over the bump stock ban. Uh, some pretty, pretty crazy stuff uh, when you look at it and what these people are trying to do. And uh, again, I'll be honest with you. I fully believe that this is about um, it's about punishing gun owners as much as anything else. How dare, how dare we uh, decide to exercise our rights because uh, they know better than us. And so they're going to put laws in there, even if they are declared un unconstitutional. You know, you and I are the ones that are going to have to pay for these court cases to make this stuff uh, to make this stuff out. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy stuff. All right. Um, so uh, where are we at here? Uh, we got more coming up. I've got one line on hold. We're going to talk with them here in just a second. Uh, we'll see. Let's see what you guys have to say here in the chat room. Uh, Anthony says, it occurs to me the entire bump fire controversy is essentially the same, same argument that using a video game controller with a rapid fire function is cheating. Yeah, but you'll notice that um, they, you know, when they put these laws in, whether it's bump fires or magazine capacities or anything else, they always acknowledge that they are, that there is a usefulness to it because they always exempt law enforcement from it, right? So law enforcement can still get automatic weapons. Law enforcement still can carry full capacity, regular standard capacity magazines instead of these reduced capacity magazines. So they always acknowledge that there's make sure, you know, that they make sure that uh, that they that the items that we're talking about are useful. Uh, they just don't, uh, they just say that we can't be trusted with it. The police are the only ones that can be trusted with it. 
Um, Rob Myers says, making things clear involves making decisions, and those are unpopular and threaten re-election. We were talking about how Congress is abdicating its authority and just basically putting a framework together and sending it off to the agencies for them to write the actual regulations. But that's the problem. They uh, the the agencies are not under public scrutiny. They're, they don't have, uh, for the most part, any kind of public input process and all that kind of stuff. Um, let's see. Brian says it concerns me that we're getting too wrapped up in the definitions and miss the larger issue. Litigating the piecemeal is fatiguing and expensive. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Exactly. I mean, they put all these they put all these new laws in. And if we have to, you know, litigate these things across the country. It is, you know, thousands of dollars draining on people. And eventually, you know, they just they they, and they've got the deep pockets of the government, so they don't personally suffer from any of these things. And so, yeah, it is. And to me, this whole issue with a bump stock, the most important part of this decision was not the definition of a bump stock and the definition of a trigger function and all these other things. It was basically saying, regardless of whether or not that is actually true, you cannot change by executive or administrative fiat what's going on. That's the biggest decision on this uh, Fifth Circuit Court. And the fact that it was a 13 out of 16 judges agreed on that definitely makes a difference, in my opinion. All right, we're coming up on it. We got uh, one line on hold. We're going to start taking some phone calls. We'll see what you guys have to say. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns. One for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Kinshaw. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two, a nature, right here on the Michael Duke Show. Welcome back to the program. It is. Whoa. It is hour two of the big radio show. We just finished up with Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. Who uh, is uh, who joined us and talked about the uh, new Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, and their spanking of the ATF uh, in the bump stock ban 
and also the ban that went on uh, that is going on down in Illinois right now. We're going to continue to have some discussions on these topics as we go through. We're also going to be talking about that Takarita shooting down in Houston which made all the news. Uh, we're going to talk about that, the pros and the cons, and and what went right, what went wrong. Um, I've seen the video. I don't know if you have as well. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting to watch, and I think it teaches us a lot about those kind of situations. So we're going to go over that as well. Some other Second Amendment stories. And, of course, we're going to take your phone calls uh, because it's uh, – because it's Friday and we do a little gun Q&A, gun Q&A all day. That's what it's all about. So let's uh, let's go over and do it right now, shall we? We got one line on hold. We'll see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Are you with me, caller? I'll hold the line, caller. When I broke something on the... Uh, I broke something on the uh, on the interwebs earlier. Uh, I might have broken it for everybody. So give me just a hot second here, and uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to restart and see if I can get back in here and see if we can get things uh, squared away. We'll try this one more time. Otherwise, I might have to restart the phone systems uh, completely. So we'll see if we can uh, we'll see if we can get you get the caller back uh, back on the uh, on the air here. We'll try this one more time. Um, let me see if I can, um, ba ba ba. Okay. Um, it's still talking. What did I do there? I broke, you know, I broke something. Uh, so caller, hold the line here. I'll see if I can figure it out and get you, uh, and get you up on the air. Meanwhile, don't forget, you can always send me an email. The email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com. M E at MichaelDukeShow.com. I'd love to hear uh, what you guys have to say. If you want to drop me an email, feel free to uh, feel free to to pop that down into the system and uh, and uh, just let me know exactly what you want to uh, what you want to talk about. We would love to hear what you guys uh, have to say. Feel free to uh, feel free to to uh, do that for me. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get back into it here, and we will try one more time to see if I can if I've got everything fixed uh, here in the chat room, and we'll see if um, no. Apparently, I apparently I totally broke it here this morning. Uh, I had a something went pop uh, somewhere earlier during the commercial break, and I lost all the audio for a minute. So uh, let me see if I've got one more thing that I can do to try and make all this work. Otherwise, I'm probably going to have to, uh, you know what? In fact, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to reset the, uh, I'm just going to reset the, because the caller hung up. So I'm just going to reset everything and we will uh, start fresh and see what we can come up with. And so that we can take your calls at 907-433-3150, uh, Don't forget, coming up on Monday, we're going to have Representative uh, ben Carpenter as our guest in hour one. Then we're going to be talking with, uh, in hour two, we're going to be talking with Sarah Monteblano, who is the uh, who is the education research. I don't know what her, her exact title is, something along the lines of, uh, of, of uh, education research uh, fellow at the Alaska Policy Forum. And so we're hoping to we're hoping to hear from her. Um, uh, we're hoping to hear from her here this morning or on Monday, 
and we're going to get a full rundown on what's happening with education. Welcome to the conferencing service. Hey, there we go. Look at that. With education. And so we're going to be working on that here uh, on Monday. So make sure you... Uh, Make sure you come on in and join us there, and uh, we'll just we'll we'll have a good time. We're going to enjoy ourselves and do it. Uh, okay, thanks so, for calling. So it looks like I've got the phone lines finally up and running uh, the way that they're I mean the way that they're supposed to be running. So if you would like to join in and sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Feel free to give us a call. The phone lines are for real open this time. 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. We'd love to hear what you guys uh, have to say as we go through this. Uh, coming up, we're also going to talk about <clears throat> something that I really don't have any interest in, but I know that a lot of you may, and that is country music stars who uh, who uh, um Alan Gottlieb over at the Second Amendment Foundation and the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms are pointing out may not have your best interests at heart as gun owners. And we're going to talk about that here uh, in just uh, in just a bit. So uh, looks like uh, we've got one line on hold now. Let's go back to the phones and hopefully this is all working properly and we'll see what Hello? we come up with. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello. 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 I can hear Hello? you. Can you hear me? Hello, Mike. Yes, this is Mike. What's going Hello? on? No, no, I'm a call. I'm, I'm, I'm a call of a. Okay. All participants All right. are muted. I've just muted everybody for just a second because apparently, I thought I fixed it, but I didn't fix it. Uh, I didn't fix it good enough. So let me go over here and fix it. Uh, let me go over here and fix it good enough. How about that? All right, we'll try this now. Uh, okay, callers, if you can hear me, can you hear me now? Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Ron and Sterling. Hello, Ron. What's on your mind? Uh, well, one thing you're not getting, I'm not getting any, any kind of music, any kind of conversation over the phone while I'm uh, muted. Okay. So, I don't just give you that heads up. Okay. Uh, when did we lose the word assault and uh, battery? The phrase assault and battery, when we lose it? Yeah, isn't assault a verbal abuse and battery is a physical abuse? I, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think that they, uh, I don't think that they single out assault as a, uh, as just the verbal component of it. Um, I think that they work hand in glove. I'd have to Google it here to find out more, but um, I mean, assault and battery obviously means battery is the physical is the battery is physical, um, uh, you know, is a physical attack mm -hmm. on a person. So I, I don't know, Ron, quite honestly, I, like I said, I'd have to Google it. So when when you use the word assault weapon, that means anything that's used in a physical um confrontation i guess okay so i i just googled it and it said assault and battery it's the crime of threatening a person so making a physical threat to them like i'm going to punch your lights out or i mean and then the battery is the actual part of so the assault is the threat and the battery is the actual carrying out of that threat okay so the pen and the pencil that they're using to write these laws are assaulting me. 
just as, as if they're looking at an assault rifle as an offensive to them. That's true. The assault pen, they're using assault pens to write laws that are threatening to us, car, causing someone to reasonably That's fear imminent harm. That's what assault is. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this is ridiculous because you can use a magazine as a weapon. Sure. If, if you use it correctly, sure, you can kill somebody with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or a rolling pin or a spatula or a screwdriver. Or and I don't mean a, a magazine off of a, of a gun. I'm talking about a rolled up magazine yeah. that nope. you read. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Are they going to ban those? Are they going to ban, like you said earlier, the hammer, anything that you put your hand shoes to, that's considered a weapon. Yeah. No, I. Uh, Wait, I, they're they're interpreting it. Yeah, that's how they're interpreting it anyway. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on that, Ron. I I I would say that the argument would be because assault refers to the act of causing someone to reasonably fear imminent harm. Well, being stripped of my rights would i would assume would be you know life liberty and 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 all that i would assume would be an imminent harm so yeah you're right this is you know the assault pens are being used to try and take away the quote unquote salt assault weapons so yeah that's pretty much right ron okay thank you i'm glad we agree thank you for your call hey, have- appreciate it thank you very much let's go over here good morning who's this ron and michael is that fred in rhode island how you doing Hey, Fred, what's happening down in Rhode Island today? Oh, not much. you got a real interesting show today, especially the opening thing with the uh, the uh, the interview with the, the woman there. <laughs> the murder that's, uh, guns. That's a classic. That's, the... what happens when, that's what happens when you listen to the mass media and take it to hot. Yeah, mean, you talk about the dumbing down of America. There it is. There it is on a platter. Well, first and foremost, right, I, I want to be oh, clear. First and foremost, I want to be clear. That's a piece of satire. That woman did that as a piece of satire. But... To some oh, people, God it sounds, it sounds pretty reasonable, right? Oh. I mean, murder guns versus protection guns. Anyway, go ahead. Well, anyway, <laughs> well, that's good to know. This is, <laughs> that, that, that was a joke. Huh? Anyway, the, you know, this whole thing with the Chicago, the Chicago ban, you know, it, it, it's hypocrisy at the uh, at the uh, at, 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 at its supreme peak. You know, it really is. I mean, you're talking about Chicago, which is in the state of Illinois, part of the state. And you know they, they said, and they have the highest murder rate in the in, in, in the entire country. I mean that place is like the wild west on steroids. Is what right, it is. This right. is crazy. And they're not really going after the criminal. And if you want to talk about assault weapons, it's not a assault weapon. How about assault criminal? Though there's the problem. There right. is the problem. You know, right. not 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 the tool, but the, those who those who use and abuse the tool, you know, for their own nefarious purposes. You know, and it's. That is where they have to put the put the emphasis on correcting the problem, not tearing up the Second Amendment and destroying the rights of law-abiding people, you know, going after the source. But the media, the media loves this. I mean, they will do everything they can to steer the to, to steer the steer the boat onto the rocks. They really do, and they love every minute of it because it's, it's kind of you know boosts their ratings and you know, and they, they they just sell everything down the drain to whatever whatever cause that promotes their end. And people buy it. People like that woman and the either the satire woman in the beginning there buy this nonsense. It's, it's gospel, and that's what it is. It's just garbage. 
Yeah, no, and, and you're right. It's exactly it. People suck it up. I mean, that's why when you go back to this this uh, Illinois gun ban, and you start looking at the things that they are precluding, that 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 to them an assault weapon is any mag any uh, rifle that accepts a detachable magazine and has any of these six features, including a pistol grip, uh, a forward grip. Uh, a folding sco- a folding stock or a telescoping stock, a grenade launcher, a flash suppressor that somehow, and they put grenade launcher in there, of course, because it sounds scary. I'm surprised they didn't put bayonet lug on there because there's been so many drive-by bayonettings. But they put it on there because it sounds scary. I mean, they don't understand these things. Well, R- remember Carolyn McCarthy? It's the what's the what's the uh, the the barrel shroud? It's the shoulder thing that goes up. I mean, they don't understand it. They just put things in there that sound scary because they know that it's going to motivate the public to support it. Well, you know, it, it boils down to it boils down to the globalists interfering with uh, interfering with the with the goings on the, the workings of this country. It's the globalists. It's an international invasion. A lot of rights is what it boils down to, because they don't like people with being able to defend themselves. They they hate that, you know, because they lose their control. That is their control mechanism, and that is what they're after. It's, 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 it's the international influence. They want to get rid of the Second Amendment and put everybody under the under their thumbs. Right. Is what it boils down to. That's well, exactly what it is. And Biden sold us out 110 percent. Totally sold us out to China. To the European, uh, to the European uh, gulag uh, conglomerates, and and th- well, you still with me, Fred, or did I lose you? Um, I mean, you're right. The, there is a huge amount of pressure from the UN and other nations out there, the UN Small Arms Treaty, and everything else to get us uh, sideways on that. And it's one of the things. It's why we need to have national sovereignty. It's why we need to continue to push back. Uh, within our own borders. Fred, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. I've got to uh, go to break anyway. So we're going to continue. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. We'll return in just a moment to Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break right now, man, we broke everything in the world when... (laughs) When that thing went pop, oh man, what a hot, 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 hot mess! But uh, we're back. We got it now. It's all good. We'll uh, we'll continue on here. Um, Anthony says my knives are just cutlery, but if I grab one and chase my neighbor with it, it's technically an assault knife, right? Yeah, I that's that's exactly it. I mean, anything, anything that can become a weapon could technically be termed an assault, whatever. Assault hammer, you know, assault baseball bat, assault car, right? Assault fit. Fi- I mean, more people are beat to death with hands, fists, and feet that were killed with rifles in America by like a five to one margin, right? Because 
when you look at the homicide rates and the last ones that I think have, I think are 2019, I think, or 2020, when you look at the, when you look at the statistics and there are, you know, 11,000, 12,000 murders in the United States, um, and only 380 something of them under 400 are committed with rifles, all rifles, not just evil, scary black rifles, but hunting rifles, uh, you know, little 22s, everything else. And yet over 2000 people are beat, bludgeoned or kicked to death. I mean, but nobody talks about that. I mean, the actual numbers and the actual statistics, if you, all you did was watch the news and watch the talking heads and watch the politicians, you would think that this is, I mean, every day, every day, people are being murdered on the streets with assault rifles left and right at all times. Three, just under 400, just under 400 people in a nation of 340 million. Again, uh, as opposed to the statistic of all, you know, 12,000 murders in the country, which again, each and every one is a tragedy. I'm not trying to diminish the, the, uh, the impact that this has on the people who they know and their families and everything else. I'm just saying statistically, it is a, just such a small mind. I mean, more people again, stabbed to death than, uh, than killed with rifles. More people drowned, killed in car accidents, killed by doctors, my by malpractice. I mean, it, it, there, there are so many other things in this country that people die from and have been killed from with malice and without malice that, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. But this is the, this is where we're at. This is where we're living in this piece where, the news media is crafting the narrative and nobody is taking the time to actually analyze and look at what they're saying. That's, I mean, that's the shame. That's the, that's the crying shame of the whole thing is that nobody is bothering to look at what they're actually saying in the end and, and the actual numbers and statistics of what we're talking about here. Okay. Uh, we got one line on hold. Sean says battery equals fisticuffs. Yeah. I mean, I actually had to go look that up because I was not sure what Ron was saying. So <clears throat> what is the difference between assault and battery? Assault refers to the wrong act of causing someone to reasonably fear imminent harm. This means that the fear must be something a reasonable person would foresee as threatening to them. Battery refers to the actual uh, wrong act of physically harming somebody. So... I mean, that's the thing. If you threaten someone uh, with something that they are in imminent fear of harm, of fear of imminent harm, and then you carry through, that it would be assault and battery. So you have assault and assault and battery. Battery is the actual physical component of that of that pair of uh, that duo there. Um, all right, nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. We got about 30 seconds. Let's go over to the phone lines and get this person's name and where they're calling from. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you um, calling? Michael, this is Carlene. I don't want to be on the air, but could you tell us the story of what happened in Texas recently? Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to talk about that next, Carlene. Thank you so much for calling in. All right. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio.
Okay. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for continuing with us. Gun Q&A continues. If you would like to have a discussion with us, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, feel free to uh, feel free to jump on board and uh, come back and talk with us uh, here and ask questions. There's no such thing as a dumb gun question. Don't don't worry about that. So I wanted to talk about <clears throat> I want to talk about this shooting that took place down in Texas. Uh, it happened in Houston, and um, <clears throat> I'm troubled by it for really only one for only one reason so i guess i guess i should give you the uh, i guess i should give you the backstory on this so uh about 10 uh, 9 10 11 people were eating at this taquerita in um in texas and um a, a gunman burst into the Taquerita about 11:30 in an evening when uh, <clears throat> when uh, when they were eating and a man burst in in a mask with a firearm and started shaking down all the customers inside he uh, was demanding money and cell phones and he was going from table to table and he was uh he was you know basically collecting the monies and the cell phones and everything else well, unbeknownst to him, one of the patrons, after handing over his wallet and his cell phone, uh, as the robber turned uh, to sweep the gun across the restaurant, he drew his own firearm and shot the robber dead. Now, a couple things happened here. <clears throat> First and foremost, it turned out that the robber had a fake gun. It was either an airsoft or a BB gun, but that really doesn't matter because again, again, the assault portion of this is people had to have a reasonable expectation or fear that they were going to be harmed. And this guy looked like a real gun. These guys were, he was treating it like a real gun. And so people were in fear of their lives. Um, now there's a couple things that, um, uh, there's a couple things that we can learn from this shooting. First and foremost, I think I would say that the first thing that you're going to learn is um, safe lines of fire because this guy shoots at the robber and directly across from him in the other corner of the restaurant is one of the patrons. So the patron is actually in the line of fire. So I would have probably chosen to shoot this guy as he was getting closer to the door or you know, in some other part of the restaurant. I mean, I think that would have just made more sense. Second of all, <clears throat> the man, um, he, he, he gets, he shoots the guy from the booth. Then he gets up, goes over to the guy, continuing to fire as the guy's fallen near the front door, kicks the gun away, which at the time he didn't know was a plastic gun, but it kicks the gun away. And, and then coup de gras the guy right there on the spot. Okay, meaning one final shot, nine rounds total. One final shot when the guy is down and the gun is away from him and he shoots him one more time. Um, I would say the problem with that is that I mean that skates the that skates the the right around the edge of murder on that, folks. That's I mean, I understand it's a heightened situation, things are going on, but once the threat is down and disarmed, you don't. 
you don't shoot one more time. Now it's Texas. Okay. This, oh, the, the next thing he did was he returned. First of all, he was very upset when he found out it was a plastic gun. You can see him. He's very upset, obviously, because he just killed somebody who was really, it turns out, not a threat, even though they all thought they were in imminent danger. Uh, he gives all the monies back to all the different people out there, and then he leaves the scene. Now, that's not unusual because pretty much every other <laughs> patron also left the scene. They're like, nope, we're out of here. Uh, but police were looking for him, and they finally uh, they were able to track him down. Um, but there is a grand jury investigating now. Uh, authorities in Houston say they've spoken with a man who shot and killed a robber at the Taqueria last Thursday, and they've not taken him into custody or arrested him, which is a pretty good indication that more than likely that he will not face um, that he will not face charges. Probably because it's Texas, right? And people are sick and tired of being um, uh, of being harassed and robbed and everything else. The the robber who was shot and killed was a convicted violent felon. Um, according to documents, he was previously arrested back in December of 2022 and charged with assault of a family member. In fact, he was expected to show up in court on the 20th of this month. He's not going to make it, just in case you you were wondering. Additionally. He had a previous conviction for aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon. So this guy was already a convicted felon, prohibited person, everything else. But they've had a bunch of folks, including some prosecutors, look at the video footage, and everybody's pretty much saying, hey, he did the right thing, looks like it's self-defense. And I would agree that the first part of the video definitely, I think, is a legit self-defense shooting, uh, with the exception of having the other patron in the line of fire. But that final shot is it's it's pretty hard to argue that that was a, now again in texas they'll probably be like nope it's all legit but there are definitely some things to be learned from this right now now the grand jury has been impaneled to um they're going to refer the results of their investigation the police say to a grand jury who will determine whether the armed patron should face any charges in connection with the incident now even if he does get indicted on these charges, he then would have to face a jury of his peers who, I don't know, again, in Texas, they just might say, that's how it is. And of course, the video is not very good. So I don't know, maybe the suspect twitched or started to move again. I, you know, I don't know. But it's a pretty, when you watch it, it's, it's, there, there's some lessons to learn here uh, as you, as you go through this and look at it. Uh, somebody asked if it was surprising um, um, it, about leaving the scene of the crime. Um, and because that's what he did, they actually, they actually left. And, uh, many have asked if he was legally obligated to stay, but according to, uh, a district attorney, uh, the legal analyst for the station down there, uh, and talking to the district attorney, they said, staying there to answer questions is important. It's something that as a lawyer, I would have advised him to done. But at the same time, you have no obligation to stay on the scene of a situation like that. And, and in fact, uh, Tom Knighton over or Cam Edwards over at BearingArms.com says in a situation like that, you might very well want to remove yourself as quickly as possible, not because you've committed a crime, but because you don't know if the robber had any other accomplices who might also pose a threat. And it wasn't, he points out, just the, the armed the armed Samaritan, the patron that left the restaurant. Everybody did the left the restaurant. 
So I, I don't know. This is, again, just when I see things like this, I want to try and learn the lessons of what happened, what went right, what went wrong. And uh, and understanding, uh, you know, kind of this, the, the consequences, because, you know, there could be consequences to this. And this is what we talk about when we talk about being armed and going for, you know, going out with concealed carry and things like that, that there could be <clears throat> extenuating circumstances and consequences that you're not aware of. Whether this guy has a family, whether, you know, any other patrons might feel threatened, where, I mean, there's so many different things we just don't know where all that comes from and what what could possibly be happening there but uh, we're gonna we're gonna see I'm gonna watch I'm I'm interested to see what this grand jury is gonna say we'll have to uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that and we'll let you know all right we're coming up on it uh we got Willie waffle coming up for the weekend movie review it is the Michael Duke show common sense Liberty based free thinking radio back with more right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, break time, break time. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, ag- I, I agree with, uh, with what Anthony said in here. Uh, my thoughts on the Texas shooting. Uh, poor range discipline by the shooter needs work. The robber had a uh, screw around and find out moment. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> well, I guess he uh, found out, right? Uh, he, that's that's the thing. I mean, first of all, it's Texas. and I mean, you know, Texas. Why would you go into any restaurant in Texas and decide it was a good idea to try something like that? I mean, in this day and age, why would you, you know? Um, but I guess that's, uh, you know, they're not accusing criminals of having the highest IQ, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, definitely was some poor, uh, I mean, it's just, if you watch the video and there are several videos of this out there, uh, I found mine on, uh, I found mine on Reddit. Um, but there are several videos out there of this shooting. And if you watch it, I mean, the guy who is in the opposite corner from the Samaritan, that uh, that shot the 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 uh, robber, that guy is lucky as hell because there were bullets flying in his direction, uh, and so that is um, you know you you always got I mean remember you got to be aware of what it where your target is and what is beyond it, right? That's one of the four rules of gun safety: be aware of your target and what is beyond it. Uh, and there was an opportunity, you know, two seconds further, and he could have uh, taken the guy out by shooting through the, he would have shot essentially through the front window of the taqueria. Um, but, uh, you know, it, and it's easy for us to second guess an armchair quarterback this because we weren't in the height of the situation with a guy who they thought had a, had a firearm uh, and everything else. So, you know, it's, it's a hard lesson. Uh, and should he have stayed around if he wasn't legally obligated to? he may have done the right thing. If he had no legal obligation to be there because he then contacted his attorney and turned himself in the following day, um, that may have been the right thing to do to kind of, you know, relax, consult with your attorney and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, have a, have your prepared statement so that you know what it, 
Because, yeah, that's a obviously a heightened moment. It's obviously a very, very heightened moment. So, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough situation to say. Um, let me go back up here. Malpractice. Ooh, got to watch out for them assault doctors. <laughs> there are definitely more people killed by medical malpractice than guns in this country. Um, but if the threat had disengaged, if the perp had disengaged by fleeing, the threat is gone. So the shooting is no longer justified. True. I mean, there is a, there is a fine line there between, you know, whether the guy was leaving or whether he was just, uh, you know, sweeping the, 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 uh, it's a, it's a small little restaurant. I mean, it's like 10 tables, right? So it's a, it's a, uh, question of whether he was starting to leave or if he was still going around for another round of pulling people's, you know, pulling money out of people's pockets or whatever. But, um, you're right. Um, but he still had the gun up when he was shot, meaning the gun was extended and pointing which to me still constitutes a threat at that point. So it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, is it really going to be a good look if you just plop down and keep eating tacos over a corpse? I'd probably leave too. Yeah. I mean, at that point, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I wasn't there, but I'm just trying to learn from these situations. The, I guess the biggest thing was the was the that final shot that final shot into the into the uh, the robber as he was laying on the ground after you've separated him from his firearm that could potentially put this guy in hot water because then it goes from self defense to I don't know murder or manslaughter or uh, I don't know but you know in Texas they just might be like well he you know again find out mess around and find out that's what you did. Um, and maybe, like I said, the video quality isn't great. So maybe he twitched, maybe he jumped, maybe he made a move that we couldn't see that looked like he was going to try and get back up. And so maybe he thought the threat was still real. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I was surprised that there are several, um, there are several folks, uh, that have seen the several attorneys who spoke with KHOU TV said that based on the available evidence, including the video, it looks like self-defense and defense to others to them. So we'll, you know, we'll see. It looks like everybody in the in the restaurant believe the gun is real. And if you're justified in shooting the first bullet, uh, bullet you're justified in shooting until the deadly threat is no longer there. I don't know. We'll have to see. The grand jury is going to decide on this. That's 100% for sure. So we'll see what happens with that. Okay, well, uh, my phone is buzzing, and that means Willie Waffle is about to join us. Uh, WaffleMovies.com, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Here we go. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's I'm ready. God, I'm ready for the weekend already. Uh, that means uh, to christen the weekend, we got to bring in our buddy, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Willie Waffle. WaffleMovies.com. 
He comes on board to share with us uh, this morning. Uh, we're doing uh, some stuff in theaters and maybe some streaming news and some other things. Good morning, my friend. What's happening? There's all sorts of goofiness on the way in just moments. Moments. We're moments away from goofiness. Um, I mean, <laughs> anybody's listened to this program knows it's already here. I mean, the goofiness has <laughs> arrived. I mean, you know. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, I'm a nerd. There's no doubt about it. Everybody okay. knows it. I'm a nerd. They know that I love Dungeons and Dragons, and I just don't know how to feel about this first bit of news uh, because uh, Willie, they're going to try and destroy my franchise again, I guess, or something. I don't know. Give me the give me the news. They here. are, yeah, they're trying to fully exploit Dungeons and Dragons in every way possible. So, yes, Paramount has made a deal. Paramount Plus this March. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. So Paramount Plus is going to air a Dungeons and Dragons program. They made a deal with the E1 Studio. That's the people who are behind um, behind the uh, series. And Paramount got the deal because dun, 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 they're releasing a Dungeons and Dragons movie on March 31st. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, to be honest with you, though, I mean, seeing the rushes, I've seen the trailers, Chris Pratt. Um, it's going to be Honor Among Thieves, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I'm, I'm wondering how it's going to be, um, but is this straight to the series on Paramount Plus? Is it going to is it going to be the same characters, or is it in that universe, or what's the deal? Now, what they've said is that the movie and the series are not necessarily tied together. So okay. you know, it, it sounds like right now they're just using the the title because they know it's going to get your attention. And it this is this is the part I really love. This is the part I really love. The reason Paramount Plus won the bidding war is because they said, oh, just go make the series and we're going to put it on. We're not going to, like, require a pilot or have any input. <laughs> you just you just give us whatever you got. Right, right. Oh, baby, that never works out. Yeah. That never, ever, ever works out well. Well, because everybody wants to jump on the D&D &D train. Quite honestly, even D&D. &D, uh, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, they wanted, I don't know, I, again, this is very much down into nerddom, but uh, Wizards of the Coast just decided to change their open gaming license, which allows all these third-party people to create universes and stuff using the D&D rules, and they just totally, it got leaked last week that they're going to change everything, and then they're going to demand a portion of your monies and everything. Everybody's Ooh. trying to cash in on D&D, &D. and of course, Critical Role, which raised it was the largest kickstarter in history for movies and and, and video yep. and film they did 10 million dollars and they have a series now on amazon which is amazing um but everybody wants to cash in so they said D&D &D? yeah let's do one and they got chris pratt i mean that's some pretty good horsepower but i i could understand why they wouldn't be able to pay him for like a series oh yeah it would be pretty hard to get him for a series uh but you know what 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 are you going to get because you know Everyone's gonna have some expectations. They're gonna they're gonna want it to be like that movie if the movie does well. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Well, we'll have to see. When does the series drop on Paramount Plus? They don't know yet. Uh, you know, it was just picked up uh, over the past week, so uh, you know it, it'll be sometime after the movie. My guess is fall, winter, somewhere in there. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to it. It's a long it. time to wait. Yeah, I it know. is. March 31st, though, for the movie Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I can't wait to see what you have to say about that one. Um, all right. Well, we know it. Avatar, box office <laughs> records. 
And we know that uh, sequels, baby, that's how you make your money. Sequels, three, four, five, they're all happening. In fact, three is already done, right? Yeah, it's already done. So, you know, James Cameron uh, made no uh, no, no shyness, no secret about it. Um, you know, earlier this year, he said, listen, you know, uh, I've already made two and three. Like, they're done. Uh, you know, number three is in the can. It's ready to go. And uh, if number two makes a lot of money, hey, I'm in for four and five. Well, um, they they made a lot of money, like a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, uh, you know, because give uh, me the deets on that. Isn't aren't they like in one of the biggest movies of all time now? Yeah, they're they're right up there. I want to say they're like sitting at number seven or six all time right now. Uh, you know, and give it. I mean, it, it's it's gotten an extension in China in a way that most movies do not get extensions like that. Uh, so that's going to add to it. Uh, yeah, this could very easily be the biggest movie of all time in a couple months yeah. because it just keeps playing and playing and playing. And, and even James Cameron, he knows, I mean, like he was doing an interview. I don't know if you saw uh, the thing he did. I think it was like on HBO, uh, HBO max. And uh, he said, yeah, I know what I'm doing for the next six or seven years. Yeah. You know, like he he's, he's already got, and, and this was the thing that surprised me. He admitted part of four has already been filmed. I was like, <laughs> Dude, dude, yeah. dude, like, you know, he had some confidence this thing was going to make some money. That's bodacious. Uh, they, I mean, and, yeah, that's that's yeah. big brass ones when you're like, yep, I made three already. It's done. And I've already filmed part of four. There you go. Yeah. And, and he's written four and five already. So he's right. I don't know. I, I guess when he says six or seven years, he's talking about all the CGI work that they're going to have to do. Yeah. Because it sounds like everything else is moving along like a rocket. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. So we're going to see more. I guess I have to watch the first one now. I I mean, I don't know. Okay. Um, Paul McCartney should have not yes. tried to relive history. Right? No. Tell me about this. That's right. I. I like to call this one Paul McCartney should not have done it in the road. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, so this is, this is, this is amazing. So his daughter, of course, is trying to capitalize on all of his fame and uh, his daughter, Mary uh, has been promoting a documentary that she filmed about the Abbey road studios. It's actually playing on Disney plus right now. Right. And uh, while, while they were over there in London a few days ago and uh, promoting this, she says, dad, here we are at Abbey Road Studios. Wouldn't it be really cool if I took a picture of you recreating the photo? Right. The That's band, right. The band crossing the road, crossing Abbey Road, right. Yep. So dad's all into it and almost dies. What? Because, <laughs> because some idiot driver decided he didn't have to stop for Paul McCartney who was crossing Abbey Road at the time. <laughs> oh, my God. And he almost hit Paul McCartney. Wow. That would have been, oof. Yeah. That would have been bad. That would have been some deep, deep, serious irony. Paul McCartney dies at oh the Abbey Road God. crossing. That would have been like, ooh. Oh, my God. You know, and just, you know, and, and for people who don't know the even deeper story to this, uh, you know, one of the one of the grand, grand uh, rumors and conspiracies of the 1960s was that Paul was crossing the road barefoot because Paul was dead, people. Because <laughs> Paul was dead? Okay. That's right. You don't re you don't remember this deal? God, I so don't remember there, this. There were, oh, God. So there's this whole, there's this whole conspiracy around the fact that Paul McCartney at some point got into a car accident and died. 
but the Beatles were so famous, they had to get a replacement for him. And they were allegedly leaving clues in the music and in photos. Like, you know, if you play this one song backwards, it says Paul is dead. Uh, The picture of him crossing Abbey Road, he doesn't have any shoes or socks on because that's how they bury you in England. You don't have any shoes and socks on, you're barefoot. Oh, yeah, there's a whole thing to it. So, you know, Paul McCartney, getting hit by a car and dying while crossing Abbey Road would have been the most ironic story that, in the history of the world. That would have closed the circle. That would have been it right there. <laughs> that would have been everything. <laughs> All right. And here's my final story. And I got to laugh at this one because this Nick, is awesome. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Got to love Nick Cage, man. That guy is just he's a powerhouse. But it has just come out that Nicholas Cage will not play a Jedi. Not because he doesn't have the opportunity. No, he's got a whole other reason. I love this so much. So, you know, uh, he became uh, friends with Pedro Pascal, who most of us know as the Mandalorian. Right. While they were making, uh, they were making the unbearable weight of massive talent. Very funny movie. You know, you can you can get that over the streams right now. You got to check that out. But uh, you know, there was some talk that you know, did did Pedro try to convince you to maybe join the Star Wars universe? Right. And Nicholas said, "Yeah, we talked about it." You know, oh, he made every offer possible. He says, I, he says, I, I could even just be a Mandalorian and I could be under a helmet. Right. And, and no one would, no one would know it was me. Right. But in his mind, he knew it was going to be him and he couldn't do it. And he told Pedro Pascual, <laughs> I'm a Trekkie, man. I'm on the Enterprise. That's where I roll. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? I mean, I love both Star Wars and Star Trek. But, man, somebody says, hey, you get to play a Mandalorian in Star Wars. I'm like, where do I sign up? I mean, you know. Exactly. I won't. Yeah, you. I don't even have to take my helmet off. I'll do whatever you want. But he's like, nope, I'm a Trekkie. I mean, that's some, yeah, die, you know, that's some diehard nerddom right there. That really is. And, and you, you know, I, I think, again, you know, let me let me tell a little secret to the kids out there who don't know the history. Uh, it, there there used to be a time where you were either a Trekkie or you were a Star Wars fan and there was no cross in that line. And Nicolas Cage is holding strong to it. Yeah. What? 40 years later. Yeah, serious, dude. I know people used to get beat up on the bus because they didn't want they like Star Wars versus Star Trek or something. It's like, oh, man. All right. Well. Uh, I guess that's okay when it's also, although I'd love to see him play a Jedi. Could you imagine him playing an over-the-top oh Jedi? Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be. Nicholas uh, Cage as a Jedi with Samuel Jackson. Oh, my God. That would be, um, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right, let's get into the uh, stuff that's on the, uh, on, the, on the screens this week. Uh, which one do you want to start off with? Uh, let's start off with the lesser of the two first. Let's, okay. Uh, let's talk about Gerard Butler in Plane. Plane. Yes. The big, dumb action movie that you've needed for, what, two, three weeks, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's okay. Okay, so, and, and I know this is going to shock you, but it's not going to be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, but okay. It, it, it's, it's not a horrible movie. I mean, you got Gerard Butler. He's this pilot. He's flying his plane. Uh, you know, For some reason, they, they won't let him go around the storm, so he's, like, flying through a storm over the Philippines. I think it's supposed to be the Philippines. And uh, the plane gets hit by lightning. And he has to have this remarkable crash landing. But when they land, the hostages are in danger 
of being taken, or the uh, the passengers are in danger of being taken hostage by these like rebel forces <laughs> in the jungle where they landed. They, dude, they have like put two movies together this right is, here. Yeah. Okay, they, they they have put the crash movie together with the I'm in the jungle and 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 we've been taken hostage by the evil rebel forces movie. They t- they put them both together. This is the bad luck, no fun, worst day ever movie. Essentially, <laughs> my plane know, got right? struck by lightning. We crash landed and then we got taken hostage. I mean, you know. Uh, all right, negative one to four. Well, I love. I mean, Gerard Butler. He's always he plays it always so straight. He's you good. Know? Um, yeah, and, that, and that's what makes it work. You know, he he's a good action hero. He plays it straight. He's got the intensity. He's got the action. You know, and of course there's there's all sorts of just helpful things that happen. Like you know, one of the passengers on the plane is like this prison who's being extradited for murder. Well, you know, he's going to know how to use a gun. That's yeah. going to be helpful. Uh, oh, you, yeah. know, uh, uh, you know, you uh, know. I'm going to go two and a half waffles because it's just. It, it is straight action enough to to be entertaining enough. Like you know, they're not going to let dialogue get in the way. They're right. not going to let character development get in the way. There's just going to be some hand to hand fights and some shooting, and that's what you need. Right. No pitfalls in this movie. Okay. All right. Good. So that takes us over to the new Tom Hanks movie, which we got about a minute and a half on. A man called Otto. Yeah, and and this is this is like a traditional Tom Hanks movie. Like like it feels like it could be like a little sitcom with with kind of a little drama thrown into it. Uh, he's this troubled widower. He just wants to end it all. He doesn't feel like he has any reason to live. And all of a sudden, the new neighbors across the street move in, and they kind of draw him out of his shell, and they remind him of his connections to the world, as he thinks he's just trying to set these morons straight. And what he doesn't realize is. They're saving him. They're oh. saving him in every way possible. That's crazy. This is like the feel. This is like the feel-good movie that we were all looking for. It really is. Yeah, and you know, and he's a big curmudgeon. He says outrageous things to everybody around them, and you know, he's like enforcing all the rules for the neighborhood watch <laughs> in his in his neighborhood. I mean, you know, yeah, and, and he's so funny doing it. Like you know, like you don't get angry at him because you know he's just so lovable, but he's out of control, and and, and then you know. Know, as you learn more about what he's been going through they they, they kind of give you his story throughout the movie kind of weaving it into the action and into the scenes that we're watching happening in front of us and darn it by the all all by the end i'm going three waffles because you're ready to just shed. nice yes well good you we could, shed one manly tear we could use some i don't <laughs> i don't cry at all ever uh no we, never yeah i appreciate it willie waffle wafflemovies.com thank you my friend i appreciate it you got it. We'll talk next week. All right, folks. I hope you have a good weekend. Coming up on Monday, we're going to be joined by the lady from the uh, Alaska Policy Forum and more. Come join us then. Oh, and Ben Carpenter. We'll see you then. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen Tom Hanks in kind of a feel-good I mean, Castaway, was, it's an adventure movie, but it's kind of a feel-good movie. I mean, we just haven't seen that whole Forrest Gump. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know. He, he's been doing I, a lot know, of kind I, of weird, different things, but nothing that's just kind of like the heart-stringing, every-man feel-good. No, this is really kind of a return to all that. I mean, you know, he was taking his chance in Pinocchio. You know, uh, you know, and and you know, he he played uh, you know Colonel Tom Parker in the Elvis movie. I mean, I I think he he just wanted to do different stuff. Yeah, and and uh, you know, he he wanted to show that hey, you know, I'm I kind of did win a couple Oscars. I right. do know how to act. Right. You know, so well, I think he was getting wrapped up in that. 
but uh, you know, uh, dad, Daddy also has to uh, put some food on the table every yeah, once in a while. Exactly. You got to you got to you, you got to do what people want to see. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was after his turn in Cloud Atlas that he realized, oh, maybe I need to do something. I don't... Oh God. Uh, what... I, I, if I never hear Cloud Atlas again, what was I your be so happy. what was your waffle meter on that one? Because I don't think we ever talked about it. Oh God, Cloud Atlas was like a negative one waffle. It was this big just drag filled mess of a movie it was i i i have hated that movie almost more than almost any other movie 50 shades of gray 50 shades of gray okay 50 shades is worse but yeah it's close it's close it's close you know (laughs) if if there's a double feature it's playing in hell oh yeah they're gonna play cloud atlas and 50 shades of gray back to back forever that's yeah, what it is. Right. and dark star you know or something like that uh <laughs> all right uh willy waffle uh we'll see you next week we're ready to do big stuff next week yeah yeah well you know you jackman has a new movie coming out called the sun yeah and uh we'll also talk there's that really cool missing movie if you've uh, been seeing the commercials for that uh so there's some good stuff coming out next week and uh, you know it's the last weekend before the uh, oscar nominations come out what on the 20 uh 24th yeah i think it's the yeah. 24th so did, uh, we're getting closer and closer they're you, voting right now did you see that michelle yo won a golden globe award for the uh for everything everywhere all at once oh yeah and you know that's a movie that's actually being considered somewhat of a front runner right now uh in the oscar race no I mean, kidding everybody no i'm not kidding because you know for a long time everybody thought well it's gonna be steven spielberg's movie the fablemans and that movie tanked i mean it did horribly financially, right? And uh, there, there is there there. Ooh, pardon me. There is a push right now that maybe everything, everywhere, all at once. You know, this indie darling, uh, which you know kind of appeals on on an artistic level, and and I'm not gonna lie, also on a woke level, that it may actually sneak in and take best picture. Um, you know, I would say let's see how they do um, this weekend. Uh, not to promote myself, but I'll promote myself. Uh, so I'm a member of the Critics' Choice Awards, uh-huh. which are on Sunday uh-huh. night, and uh, let's uh, let's see if they win. All right, I can't wait to see it. Willie, Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. All right, we'll see you next week. All right, folks, out of time. Ben Carpenter, Sarah Monteblano from the Alaska Policy Forum up on Monday. We will see you then. Have a great weekend. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show